Welcome back to Is It Horror? This is Season 2, Episode 15, Heathers. I'm Brianna. I'm Joe. I thought we were all going to be Heathers. Oh shoot, I'm Heather, dang it. Oh my god, I'm Heather too. I'm Heather. And I am JD. If you haven't joined us before, each episode we analyze a piece of media, usually a movie whose horror status is debatable. We look at the creator's intent, audience reception, and the content of the media, all in an effort to better define the horror genre. If you agree with our take, that's awesome. If you don't, that's awesome too. Horror is a diverse genre, and all are welcome. And now that I'm back to being Steve, I will turn the time over to Joe to go to the Get to Know You Corner. Joe? Hi, everybody. Uh, All right, so for today in the corner, uh, we're talking about Heathers, um, and it got me thinking about a lot of things about high school and that kind of thing. And, you know, we all probably had some similar experiences with high school, but probably some very unique experiences. So I had several kind of high school related questions. And I guess I thought uh, I'd give, I'd put a bunch of them out there and answer all or one or as many as you want or feel like you want to talk about. But some of the questions I thought of were, uh, what was your favorite part of high school? Uh, What would you change about your high school experience? Uh, if you could give your high school self a piece of advice, what would it be? And uh, Mitz added a question that was, uh, what stereotypical high school clique were you a part of? Or which one uh, would you identify with if you weren't in one? Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess I'll let Brianna get us started. Oh my god, that's a lot. I feel terribly <laughs> triggered. You're making me think about high school? Ugh. Well, my I'm high school sorry. experience was absolute balls. Uh, I do not recommend it. You could not pay me any amount of money to go back to that. Um, but I did have the pleasure of being one of the drama geek kids. So that was kind of a blast. Um, things like, and, and I wasn't in band, but I hung out with like the band geeks a whole bunch. So hanging out with the band kids and like being in chorus and being able to do all the the plays and the musicals and all that nonsense like that was kind of my jam um but i totally dated a few losers like jd just putting that out there nice (laughs) Uh, i guess uh so for me high school i was a pretty shy uh introvert um so i didn't i don't know I i wouldn't say i was really part of a click for most of it um well okay i'll go back a little bit like uh i guess as far as my favorite part of high school i didn't really break out of my shell till like about my senior year and i had um a really cool drama teacher kind of give me a chance uh even though i had no singing acting dancing talent whatsoever she still um let me be part of the musical and let me be uh in the in some of the drama classes and things like that uh and it was uh it was really it was a really good thing for me and i um was able to make some friends and um kind of be part of something that was uh that was really good and from that experience i guess that's maybe gets to what i would tell my high school self is maybe um, push myself a little earlier and 
a thing that I still struggle with is like treating people as if they're my friends be before that, before they are my friends, because then they can kind of actually become my friends. Um, but I tend to kind of not do that. Um, but I was able to do that in, um, in those drama classes and things like that and actually made some friends. And I've been crappy about uh, keeping those friendships up, but it was, it was good for me for the latter part of my high school. Uh, and I guess as far as the stereotypical or cliques that I would have been a part of, I guess I would say probably because of that stuff, uh, I would be amongst the, the drama geeks and I'm proud to, proud to have been a part of that because there are some really fun people. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's me. Uh, for me in high school, I guess I was more of like a, a nerd, but I kind of just got along with everybody. I didn't really, I wasn't like picked on really. Um, and I didn't really do like any clubs or anything too much. Just hung out mostly with the friends that were in our church more than kids at school. So I guess my thing that I would have maybe done differently is hang out with people that weren't just members of the church that we grew up in, because I guess in my churchy mind at the time, I felt like if I hung out with anybody that wasn't in the church, it was all of us were immediately going to do drugs and alcohol and sex all right then. <laughs> and I was worried about that because that's how I grew up. So yeah, that would be my thing that I would have done differently. But yeah. That's high school me. The reason I wanted to ask the click question is because I feel like for those of you in here who already know, like who know me today, I am so far removed from the person I was in high school. It's like actually unbelievable because I'm so lazy and unmotivated now, but I was the ultimate prep in high school. I was such a preppy girl. I was in like every single club in school. I was like... I was in Spanish club, history club, mathletes, National Honor Society, uh, student council, golf, band, drama, everything. I was in everything. And I don't know why, but I had a lot of ambition back then. So I guess the clique I would identify with is the, prep the preppy girls. Um, my favorite one was definitely drama, though. There seems to be a pattern here. We all We're all dramatic people. And... <laughs> I guess if I could give myself a piece of advice, I think I was in all those activities because I was trying to like find an identity and I just wasn't my, I just never really like was just myself. So I think, I guess I would give myself the advice of just be yourself and that's your identity. You don't have to like be any of these band, band geek, student council, whatever person you can just be mitts that's too deep for a high schooler to understand though <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think if we went back and told ourselves this stuff we'd probably think we were all we were stupid shut up adults have no hearts that's what i would have said you just don't <laughs> understand you just you just don't understand me or what's the line from the breakfast club when you grow up your heart dies that's what I would have said. <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. But what they don't tell you is that life is the one that kills it.
It would have been like, yo, it's all downhill from 25, so just enjoy it while you still got it. Man, you know how people said people peak in high school? I, I'm just, like, waiting to peak still. I'm hoping it happens in my 30s. <laughs> Girl, same. Same. For me, I wasn't... I don't know that I really felt... Because it... Sort of, like, stumbling over words thinking about it. I think about Tina Fey and 30 Rock. How she viewed herself in high school versus how everyone else viewed her in high school. She viewed herself as like the little nerdy person that no one paid attention to. And I guess that's how I probably viewed myself, but I probably wasn't really actually that way. So I didn't really view myself as part of any clique. I had a few, like three or four pretty good friends. And then by the end of my like high school experience, I was kind of friends with at least a few of the like computer programmer kids at school. So I was good friends with them. There was in my estimation of the school, basically two sets of popular kids. There was the asshole popular kids and there was the nice popular kids on the, for the most part, I was maybe on the very fringe of the nice popular kid group. Like they knew me well enough and they might stick up for me if there was the asshole popular group around but they wouldn't invite me to hang out with them or do anything with them. And then there was the asshole popular kids who went somewhere between not noticing me to making fun of me if there wasn't a better target around. So I don't know, at least my impression of my high school experience was being pretty picked on by some of those people. So I don't know if there's, you know, as we've already all talked about, like you give advice to your younger self and they'd probably just blow it off or not fully understand the weight of what's trying to be conveyed to them. So I'm not sure exactly what I would tell myself. If there was some way I could convey to that younger Steve out there that uh, he could just realize he was, he's all right guy and it's okay to just like what you like and try your best not to worry about what other people think, but trying to not worry about what other people think is a lesson I'm still trying to learn. So I don't know. Because you're the only person in this group who I knew during high school, I'm going to add to that and say that you were definitely, you were this smart computer punk nerd who would probably cut you in a back alleyway if you pissed him off enough, but would also like help <laughs> an old lady across the street. It was really kind of a cool thing. So you're still doing okay, Steve. <laughs> well, thank you. I... I don't know if I would have cut somebody, but probably the old lady across the street thing is a thing I would still do today, so. <laughs> I believe in your hidden rage, okay? I believe in it. Aww. I really do. Thank you. And it's good to have the perception that you might cut somebody, even if you never would. Sure, you want to maintain that mystique. He wore a trench coat. It had an impact. That's I have true. seen a picture of that. Well, awesome. Uh, those... All you, I don't know, past high school selves would heavy eye roll at all of us, I'm sure. But uh, but yeah, good times. Thanks for joining us in the corner. All right, well, we will back out of the corner and head to, I suppose, what is the figurative center of the room, where we will talk about Heathers from 1988. Uh, the writer of Heathers is a man named Daniel Waters. He also wrote the movies Hudson Hawk, Batman Returns, and Demolition Man. Uh, a little bit of trivia that I thought was interesting just all the way around is uh, 
Daniel Waters sort of wrote this as a reaction to the John Hughes teen comedies of the times. So that's stuff like 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, while he enjoyed them, he kind of wanted to see something a little bit more like, as he described it anyway, the Dr. Strangelove of teen movies. He originally wanted Stanley Kubrick to direct it, and the original draft of the script, depending on the interview, he claims was somewhere between 200 and 250 pages. Which, uh, if you do know anything about screenwriting, the general rule is a page usually equals a minute of screen time, so a 250-page script would be a 250-minute movie. Um, another bit of interesting trivia about Daniel Waters that I was kind of surprised by is that his brother is named Mark Waters, and he is the man who directed, among other things, Mean Girls. Um, and then they both had talked about how they had interviewed and talked a lot with their sister in helping to create their various movies. Uh, mean Girls was written by Tina Fey, Tina Fey, but Mark Waters still said that he had talked to their sister and kind of directing the movie and trying to get the right feel for things. And Daniel Waters, he said that he had extensively interviewed his sister while creating Heathers and like uh, being able to forge things, I believe was a trait that his sister also had at the time. So anyway, just some interesting facts there. Uh, the director of this movie was Michael Lehman, who also worked on Hudson Hawk with Daniel Waters. Uh, he also did the movie The Truth About Cats and Dogs, and uh, it's kind of a cult classic now. He also did the movie Airheads from 1994. That had uh, Steve Buscemi and Adam Sandler and uh, Chris Farley. Brendan Fraser, that's Brendan a great Fraser. movie. Yeah. Everybody was in there, and I'm sure they got them cheap, you know, because it was a lot of their first bigger films. Uh, the back-of-the-box description for Heathers is at Westerberg High, where cliques rule, jerk jocks dominate, and the most popular girls are all named Heather. It's going to take Veronica and the mysterious and possibly psychotic new kid JD to give teen angst a body count. As far as the intent of the film goes have at least a couple quotes here from uh, one from Winona Ryder. She was doing a red carpet interview when she was talking about Heathers as an upcoming project. And she said, Heathers, it's a very, uh, very, very, very dark comedy. So that was at least her general description. And then in a Yahoo Entertainment interview, uh, Daniel Waters, who... If you've seen the movie, it's no surprise, has a bit of a dark sense of humor himself. So this is him describing how he saw Heathers. He said, people say things like when to high schoolers, like, don't worry, it's going to be, everything's going to be okay. It gets better. I think they needed a movie like Heathers to say, no, you're right. Heathers or high school is a terrifying hellscape. You may survive it, but you'll probably be covered with blood, ash, and emotional scars. So I think that message also needed to get out there. That is accurate. <laughs> Can confirm ash, smoke, and emotional scars and all. Yeah. <laughs> so at least with that general description, it sounds like you're describing a horror film, although he didn't specifically line out a genre in that. And then as far as how streaming services tend to categorize this, uh, there's nine that call it a comedy, three that call it a crime, two that call it a drama, two that call it independent, one that called it a black comedy, and one that called it a thriller. 
As far as Google and Wikipedia search trends go, there was really no discernible pattern, so you don't really see any sort of uptick during the October months that might indicate that people view it as a horror movie. Uh, so nothing really of value there data-wise. But uh, let's check it out. What did everybody think? Is Heather's a horror movie? Nope, I'm with Miss Ryder on this one. It is a dark, 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 dark comedy. Full stop. Yeah, that's where I came at it, too. Uh, there are, you know, some moments of horror, but it's just just a dark comedy to me. Dark cubed comedy. Yeah, I would say it's dark comedy also. I agree, not horror. That's where I ended up with it, too, is I kind of went black comedy, but definitely not horror. So I thought at least one of the first things that would be worth discussing in terms of this film, then, is it sounds like we're mostly sure it's a dark or a black comedy. So what's the difference between a black comedy and a horror movie or a horror comedy, in your opinion? Um, I think that maybe there's not enough of the magical Venn diagram for this to be horror. Um, there is a little bit of body horror, but not enough to make it horror for me. It does deal with some pretty taboo and dark topics, but I'm too emotionally invested in the character's development for it to be horror. In horror, I'm just looking for people to survive. I don't know. This had a whole bunch of layers, and for me, the complexity is what really made it definitely not horror for me. I think part of it for me as well is like, it's kind of that like seeing behind the curtain sort of idea, uh, uh, I guess a little bit skewed because in like a horror comedy, they're trying to like survive something or get away from something, but you know, it's interlaced with um, comedy in this, it's sort of similar, but like we're watching, you know, JD as the bad guy and um, you know, Veronica is kind of, wrapped up in all that but they're they're the things that are kind of the scary things um or mostly you know jd is the thing that's the potentially scary thing but we're 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 spending most of the time with with him well with you know both of them but we're we're spending a lot of our time with what would be the bad scary thing yeah i don't think that the movie for me horror kind of has to build some tension has to make me afraid for the lives of the protagonists and i also feel like the mood and uh backdrop of the film are not really horror in any way so for dark comedy for this movie, I think it was more focused on getting those laughs and definitely wasn't focused on building tension. Um, and I wasn't really afraid for like the, the main characters' lives. I don't think they were in any danger or anything like that. I think it was just more all about just building towards those laughs and the jokes and keeping the jokes running. So I don't know, I've said this in the past and I feel like it was controversial when I said it, but I think uh, 
that a horror movie, though it doesn't have to be scary, objectively, we have established that, I think the intention has to be to instill fear. Or one of the intentions. Um, do I think the writers had the intention to instill fear with this movie? No. But let's talk about the difference between the social atmosphere between this movie coming out and today. Because if this movie had come out today, I definitely think it would instill a lot more fear. And the interpretation of what the writers were trying to do might be different. But it came out in the 80s before Columbine, before mass attacks on school was like really a thing. So I don't think with those particular scenes that the writers meant to scare the audience as much as maybe we might feel it scary today. So I don't think they meant it to be horror, and so that's why I think it's not horror. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the way that I look at it, at least partially, is that I would say it's kind of like the square rectangle thing, you know, where all horror comedy is also black comedy, but not all black comedy is horror comedy. I don't know, would everybody agree with that? Yeah, I can get yeah. on board with that. I was going to say, I think this is definitely a different category than, like, Shaun of the Dead, for example. I think, like, um, because we were just, I was just talking about how different this feels tonally than maybe something that we would see today, is because in the 80s, I feel like these topics were handled more, like, flippantly. And I also remember saying that about the movie Scream. So I think Scream falls into that black comedy category, but I think Scream's also horror, but this it's not vice versa. So one of the things that we've at least brought up previously is the idea that horror or comedy usually has that kind of tension roller coaster. And Matt, you kind of mentioned this a little bit already. I wanted to see if any of the rest of you feel like that there was any attempts to really build tension here. If you do get the tension roller coaster, that's usually find in horror comedy i think there was tension built um but the tension built was um it was between the, the two main characters jd and veronica because veronica is slowly realizing that her boyfriend is fucking nuts and is gonna blow up the school um and i think that it was it, for me the tension was built in her kind of like slowly realizing things and slowly understanding like hey i don't want to be in this situation or hey it's not a joke anymore and yeah it's it was funny before but now you're talking about real things this isn't funny anymore and it's her realizing that she's in a little far over her head and then ultimately making the decision to reverse that bad behavior and save you know her entire school even at the cost of like taking out this one person who she's made a real connection with in that environment so that that was what built the tension for me. Like there were some stakes there. Did anyone else think that he was going to actually take down the school? Because there's a couple minutes in the boiler room scenes where I was like, oh, yeah, he's he's totally going to make this happen. Yeah, that's, I thought I thought that's how it was going to end. And I don't know if that would have changed my answer if it was horror or not. I still think it wouldn't have been horror if the school blew up. I just think that it. If it did blow up, 
I I thought that it could have blown up when I was in the moment watching it, and I feel like that could have still ended it, been like a dark joke to them. Like, they could have still framed it as a dark joke because uh, of how the movie had been up until then. So there were multiple endings that were tossed around. Um, this is a draft that Daniel Waters worked on for quite a while, and so one of the original endings saw them succeed and blow up the school and that it would end with sort of a musical number up in heaven with everyone going to prom there in heaven. The thing that's also interesting about this too is that this movie was made into both a musical and a TV series. The musical was made in 2014 and more or less follows the movie but fleshes out a few different different characters a little more. The TV series was made in 2018 and actually does end the first season with the prom blowing up as I understand it and having that prom or having the school blow up and having a prom up in heaven. So I don't know if maybe part of the reason, because I too felt like it was uncertain whether or not the school is going to blow up the first time I watched this. And I wonder if maybe part of the reason for that is because in earlier drafts it was leading there. And so it's still, there's that residual feeling. At least for me in saying, I don't think that there's the tension roller coaster you get with horror comedy, because with horror comedy it's like all throughout the film, right? Like, you have a moment in a scene where the tension rises up and then it's cooled off with a joke, rises up, cooled off with a joke. Whereas I feel like the tension that we've got here is more of a dramatic sense throughout the course of the film. It's a slow build until there is a lot of tension surrounding the final sequence there where she's trying to stop in the school. But I think that's where the difference is. So there is tension in the film, but it isn't in the way that you generally see it within a horror comedy, in my opinion. I think the whole movie was just too satirical and had too much relevant social commentary to really be horror. It was too real. Like, you can't make horror too real. So what sequence, I guess, if what sequence felt the most like horror about this film? I don't know. I guess the boiler room, because that's where I felt the stakes were highest. But even that, that leans more towards like a suspense crime sort of crescendo than it does to a horror. There, to me, there was nothing about this film that was horror-esque. It was dark, but it was not horror. I think uh, for me, what felt like horror, the only scene I can think of that really felt like it could be horror was like the dream sequence. And like... Uh, you know, the part where they're in the kitchen and JD's like wielding the knife and kind of getting a little crazy. And, <laughs> and that's a good, the one of the funny lines like, oh, she's like all worried that the knife is dirty. Like she wouldn't like that. What do you think I'm going to do? Like remove her tonsils with this or something like that. But, um, but yeah, that scene, I guess, kind of felt that way. And then when he goes into the room with the Heather back there, and Veronica's trying to get to them to try and stop it, um, but she can't. I guess that whole sequence felt a little on the horror side to me, uh, but that's the only spot I guess I can really think of. Yeah, I think that's the main horror kind of moment is her actually confronting him because that's when the stakes feel real. Uh, and I, I just, even when they're like killing other people, in the movie when they kill the two guys like the stakes 
don't feel as real to me because it's kind of still comedic in a way. Like, it's weird that this movie can turn killing people into, like, a comedic sort of kind of exchange. But, yeah, that the only moment that's, like, more horror to me is maybe when they're having that confrontation. And even then, that's not horror to me. Um, I would say the boiler room. I do think it's close to horror, but I don't know if it's cer- if it's exactly horror. I don't know. I guess it's, to me, horror because I also feel like Veronica could die. Like, get, like, at JD's hand could be stabbed or something. And I also felt like that when she was waiting in her room for basically him to come kill her. But because that never happened, I don't know if I would call it horror. I love that scene, though, when he finds her, you know, quote unquote, hanging and he's like, I loved you. I was coming here to kill you, but I loved you. (laughs) Yeah. I would agree, at least for me, the most horrific scene, I guess, would be the way that it was filmed, the nightmare sequence of the death of Heather Duke when, you know, they're in the kitchen getting the knife ready and everything, which makes sense because they wanted it to feel like a nightmare. So that's probably why that one has the most horror chops, in my opinion, because while the final sequence does have some drama to it, it's um, it's some tension to it. It doesn't feel so much like a horror movie in that circumstance to me, I guess. Um, I did want to get into then, because we it's funny, we've already touched on a bunch of the topics I was kind of hoping to go over during this. So I'm going to pull some of those threads a little bit further as we go on to some of the stuff we've already mentioned. But uh, the first thing I guess it's worth talking about is, so as we've already mentioned, a lot of people say that this movie would not or could not be made today. Um, it sounds like most people feel like that's the case that we really that that couldn't this movie couldn't be made today. Is that right? I think it could be made. I don't think it would make any money though. I mean, I think it could be made. Uh, they made freaking what is that show? Thirteen Reasons Why. That was pretty dark. It definitely have to be a Netflix thing. Yeah, I I really don't think anybody would buy a dark comedy about a school shooting or shootings at a school or bombing a school today i really don't think so yeah i think that yeah i think you'd have to heavily tweak it and it seems like i haven't watched the whole heather's tv series because it was i watched the first episode just for this to kind of get an idea of what it was like and like i said that was made five years ago and oh the first episode was so bad i couldn't stand to watch more than that so i don't know how much it was like this or not yeah i guess i just to add my voice i agree that i I don't think it could be made or not made well today um other than that they kind of tried to do that with a tv series i haven't watched it but it was interesting to learn that they they had tried to um and maybe pulled their punches on some things but also didn't on others like i think you'd said steve that they actually do blow up the school at the end which that's yeah intense. so i don't know i i guess they can <laughs> that being said i think at least part of what you're getting with that is uh it's not like they're making a brand new tv series attached to no existing ip with this topic 
it's it's more like okay they're almost getting a pass for it because it's referencing an existing ip that people already sort of accept so i don't know could you make a brand new tv series with the exact same subject matter even if it was good that was doing that i don't know all right and we've kind of been chewing around the edges of this so we'll just jump right into it um this film deals with school shootings and bombings teenage suicide there's sexual violence and I think, Brianna, you already said your piece on it, but feel free to elaborate as well. I mean, are these subjects too real to be considered horror? I think, uh, I don't know. I guess I maybe don't have a great answer for this, and I'm kind of thinking as I talk here, which is, you know, not great. But uh, I guess I think that there is something to that. And, you know, we've talked about that before with other things, like war is too real to be horror. Um, and I think you get a similar concept with some of these uh, subjects. Uh, but it's also in just kind of the way it's presented, because I think you could have some of these things be more, uh, more in a horror genre, depending on how it's depicted. But this one, I think this particular film is, a, goes for at least somewhat more realism on it. So it, I don't think it is horror. I don't know. This is a hard question for me because I don't know. I feel very personally attached to the topic of school shootings i'm a teacher so i think it's hard because to me that a movie that's made to be a dark movie about school shootings would to me be the most horrific movie i could prob probably watch it would scare me more than anything else i'd probably probably be the first horror movie i have to walk out of the theaters for um, would it be horror, though? Like, to me, that's horror. But it's almost like, I don't know. This is a hard one to tackle. I think that when you have, when you're, oh, well, hold on. Let me back up and try to talk again. <laughs> I think <laughs> that when you have a movie that addresses relevant social situations uh, that tap into people's concerns, fears, flight or fight, you walk a very fine line because for me, part of uh, a horror movie is that catharsis. Like you're not going to necessarily get that with a movie that deals with current topics that are attached to human fear because when the mm -hmm. movie ends, the fear is still there. Freddy doesn't go back into dreamland. Chucky doesn't get destroyed. The Terminator doesn't get melted. Like it, the risk is still there. And for me, that's, that's what really takes me out of the horror headspace and grounds me too much in reality. And then I'm just paranoid about school shootings when I'm done with the movie, you know? I think one thing that was interesting here, here talking to, um, seeing an interview with Daniel Waters and a few of them talking about this film, uh, I kind of wrote for myself the note that at the time that the film was made, students bringing guns to school and planning a bombing kind of felt absurd to him. And so in a way, the comedy of the film, in part, was from juxtaposing a situation with a place that it would never occur in and perpetrated by people who wouldn't ever do such a thing. And so, you know, that's kind of where he was coming from. To him, it was something that was a bit unthinkable. I mean, as we've all already discussed, we had, you know, 
11 years later, Columbine happens. And then I have some quotes here from Winona Ryder talking just about the way the movie was received and that she at one point had said, um, we got a lot of shit for it when Christian Slater and I promoted the movie originally, as she's saying. Uh, Christian and I promoted it by speaking at schools and colleges. There were so many angry people telling us how irresponsible we were. And then she went on to say, I remember when Columbine happened, the day after the front cover of USA Today had a picture of me and Christian holding guns. It was so hurtful and I was upset over Columbine as everyone else. I was as upset over Columbine as everyone else. It's interesting that um, he said that he thought that the school shootings or bombings or things like that were kind of, what was the word? Kind of ludicrous or Well, it's insane. me kind of paraphrasing. So he didn't necessarily use the word absurd, but that's how I was viewing his comments about it. But it's interesting because as I'm just like doing a quick little dive on Wikipedia, it looks like in the 20th century, there's been some at least like one school shooting or school related shooting or act of violence since 1900, like pretty regularly, like every year or two across the United States anyway. Like there was a shooting December 29th, 1926 in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. So this was always a thing that kind of happened. Maybe it just wasn't as advertised or well-known? Well, I think part of it is the rise of social media and how more interconnected the world is. And so even though like, we had all these serial killers in the 60s and 70s and people knew about them and some of it was nation national cases, but you know, as we've gotten further along... A lot of this stuff is, you know, people are making documentaries about it. People are posting on Twitter about it. So the whole Columbine thing, I think it was huge when it happened, but also it was in a time where, like, the world was feeling that or noticing more that those things were happening. And that was kind of, I forget exactly what year Columbine happened, but it was, you know, that was around the time that things started to be realized more uh, and people started thinking about how unsafe they were and it was just in your face all the time. It was 1999. Yeah, so that's like, you know, we're, people are just starting to all have cell phones. People are just starting to feel out the internet. So a lot of these things are, people are able to talk about it across the world and so... I think that definitely plays a part in it feeling like something that wasn't happening in the past, but actually was. I also think all the media coverage, not just social media, but just media in general, probably invited a lot of copycats more than, you know, some random event in a schoolhouse in the early 1900s, you know what I mean? But I don't know. I don't know why it's... I don't know why Columbine made it... Brought it to everyone's attention, I guess. I think with Columbine, there was more more casualties than there had been before. Um, at least in, in recent history. The, the only other school shooting that I can think of, and it doesn't even come, come close to the unfortunate body count that Columbine had, was... Um, 
Oh my God, I'm going to get the year wrong. It was in the 1970s. The Boomtown Rats wrote, I don't like Mondays about it. The That girl opened fire on her school and I think she killed maybe maybe 10 folks and, and a few teachers, wow. which, you know, is a lot anyway. But I think the magnitude of Columbine was how many students and teachers lost their lives. And I think that's why it was so yeah. huge. Plus it was like, it was completely planned. Like it was completely premeditated. And I'm not sure that we really had a, a school shooting or a case like that where they had so much proof of that. Like, that was truly horrifying. It was, I can confirm, at least the deadliest high school shooting in U.S. in the U.S. until about 2018. Uh, at least according to Wikipedia, apparently the Stoneman Douglas High School shooting in February of 2018 had more deaths. But at that point, and obviously for nearly 20 years, it was the deadliest shooting that had occurred. Yeah, I remember my school wouldn't let us wear hoodies to school anymore. Like, you couldn't have your hood up. Like, that was, for some reason, that was a big deal. They thought that you were going to be concealing something if you had your hood up. So at least in terms of this film, then, what do, I mean, we all recognize that it's black comedy, that it's trying to be satiric about some of the experiences that teenagers have, what did you feel like this film was trying to say about violence in high schools? Is whatever message you got from it consistent with what you see in horror? Or is it completely outside of that? I think it's outside of horror. I think that the mess. well, what I took away from, from Heather's is kids will do anything to fit in. Um, like when Veronica's um, on the bathroom floor with one of the Heathers and she's like, if everybody jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge, would you? And Heather goes, yeah, I probably would. Like it's that need to fit in and the lengths that kids are willing to go to in order to like feel like they belong somewhere. To me, that's the cautionary tale. And like, that's the, that's the commentary and the takeaway. And in that respect, you know, by the end of the film, Veronica's like, fuck it, I'm going to be who I want and I'm going to hang out with Martha and we're going to pop some popcorn and rent some videos and it's going to be great. I, th I think that's a really good point. And I think, uh, you know, JD kind of lays out, I think, the intention or the message in a few spots because, you know, he say, says things like, oh, the, the school is like society and... Um, and that kind of thing. And just that whole, uh, I forget exactly how he phrases it, but you know, he's like the, everybody won't worry about this, about these kids killing themselves because they will just accept that it's kids killing themselves. Uh, because you know, teenagers will inflict any kinds of horrors upon themselves that are imaginable. And, um, and I think those two comments in the, uh, combined kind of, I guess, for me, tell the message of, of the story or the underlying, the underlying point of it. And um, I don't know, I guess, I think it's a powerful message, uh, you know, laced uh, in with a black comedy. So uh, yeah. I think one of the ways that I've always kind of viewed it too, is the idea that I think just taking the idea that for a lot of people, high school was that hellscape as described earlier by Daniel Waters, that it was this battlefield. So in some ways I feel like it's trying to take 
what people normally see as a mundane experience, the high school experience, and literally turn it into a bit more of a battlefield with casualties and this almost uh, waging war sort of feel that JD is taking to all of it. Just to present this extreme example of it to draw attention in a way to how bad it really can be emotionally for people. And then having the emotional stakes be real of people committing suicide and then looking at the very real reasons they do. And I think you kind of get that a little bit when you're talking about Heather Chandler's death too, is right. Like she doesn't have much screen time, but I think that you at least do have these moments of depth with her at the college party where she's completely out of her element and she's not in control and seeing how actually vulnerable she really is and recognizing that maybe part of the things that they were writing in the suicide note, while it's just them trying to think of what might sound good, it's not entirely untrue. And just this idea that everybody is sort of this emotional island in a way during their high school experience and that it's just easy to miss and that it's important to look under the hood of what everyone is going through because you might have no idea. I don't know. I guess those are the things that readily come to my mind for what they're doing with it. The other thing um, I thought about JD is I saw a lot of parallels between him and uh, Heath Ledger's Joker from ba- uh, from the Batman's. Yeah. Yeah, he had this attitude of like, well, the one thing, well, for several things, but the one thing that stood out to me was kind of they had a similar attitude about, you know, the Joker has his whole little like, monologue about like if i told you a truck full of soldiers was gonna blow up then nobody would panic because it's all part of the plan even though the plan is horrifying um and in this you know jd's like you know there's all these teens committing suicide but everybody's just going to assume that these are you know troubled teens just doing what troubled teens do and nobody's gonna panic um which is you know kind of scary and it's a I, I feel like that is a commentary on school shootings too and a lot of what is it feels like the unfortunate attitude that a lot of people end up taking about school shootings is like well can't do anything about it it's just troubled teens doing troubled teen things and then we don't take any action on it which is frustrating it's kind of like Veronica tells the one Heather, you know, it's suicide isn't a personal thing. You're just going to be a statistic and kind of going along with that same idea, right? Like when we just look at it as raw numbers and completely forget the human element, it is easy to just say like, oh, that's a tragedy. Look at what the numbers were. And that's horrible. But because I don't have to think about the individuals, the actual people that experienced it, it's easier for me to brush aside in the end. I mean, like even... I'm not saying I don't do it. I definitely do it. Cause even looking at Columbine, like I could tell you the numbers from who died, but I don't know anything about who they were or what they were like. And that's the sort of thing that I think that this movie's trying to also bring attention to, you know, you have to look at the people, every person matters. There's value. How do you feel like this film ended up dealing with suicide? Obviously there's no one that succeeds in, well, I guess there's, there's JD. So JD is the only person in the film that actually was trying to commit suicide and succeeded in committing suicide. So how do you feel like it was portrayed? Um, 
again, to go with the microcosm of it, is it too real to actually feel like horror? What did you think about it? I think for me, the most potent the thing about suicide in this was when the uh, the one Heather was trying to take the pills in the bathroom and like she's the she's the one who's actually like trying to to commit suicide and, and that was that was scary and sad and like you felt for her and I I don't know we've already touched on it too just the like you know Veronica stopping her and being like oh you don't why are you doing this um Anyways, I guess, I don't know if that's an answer to the question, but I guess that's the most potent part for me about suicide in the movie. I think they definitely kind of treat it lightly, and it is hard to talk about suicide and have it be sort of comedic. Like, uh, the one moment that sort of stuck out to me is when Veronica's mom walks in on her and she's not like distraught or anything. She kind of just goes into this sort of comedic. I should have like, should have let you get that job at the mall. (laughs) And you're, I don't know, like it definitely, definitely doesn't address it as a serious topic. It just sort of uses it, uses even suicide to get laughs. So it's kind of like nothing is, I think the tone of the film is nothing is sacred. We're going to try to get a laugh in every situation. I had a question. I want to know, what does everybody think really happened with JD's mom? So she just committed suicide, but why? Like, is his dad going around just blowing shit up randomly and getting away with it? And she knows she's married to, like, this mass serial explosive murderer, and she couldn't take it? Like, what is the story there? Yeah, I think it's something like that. Well, I guess I kind of viewed it as that JD's dad is the same kind of sociopath that JD is and that he just found a legal way to do it. Just he was, I don't know, doing demolitions and happy to be ruining people's lives while getting to blow stuff up and somehow finding a way to get paid for it. And so I think that she just got fed up with it and couldn't find a way out in a way. It's kind of like she... And JD's dad are the future Veronica and JD if they adhered a little bit better to the guidelines of society that they're basically would have this doomed existence where she wouldn't be able to take it anymore and he just continue right on doing what he was doing. Because I think JD's dad, what you, you said sociopath and I feel like that's correct, but I don't think JD is a sociopath yet. I think that he's just a Mickey looking for his Mallory, and there's something kind of cute and fucked up about that. That's a natural born killer's reference. Sorry, jump the gun. <laughs> <laughs> so, looking at least at the two death scenes that we have, so we've got the death of Heather, Heather Chandler, and we've got the death of Curtin Ram. So, you know, we've got in both of these sequences, we've got teenagers that are being killed. And they're being faked as suicides. What about those scenes? Why why didn't those scenes push things over for you into horror? What about the way they were filmed? What things stand out? What things did you feel like were missing to say it would be horror? There was no mystery. We knew the plan the whole time. 
in horror, there's the suspense of we don't know when the killer's coming. We don't know what the killer's motivation necessarily is. Like, as the audience, we get to come along with the two quote-unquote killers here, find out what their plan is, know exactly what they're doing, know exactly why they're doing it, and it all almost goes according to plan. And in the end, they get away with it. So in my head, I'm thinking about comparing and contrasting this scene with, uh, let's say, what I, don't, I forget which Chucky movie. Is it Chucky 3 where he replaces the paintballs with real bullets? Yes. Okay, so like thinking about that scene. Okay, so we're kind of in a situation here where, you know, she, he is, he's told her that these are fakes. Okay, but you know in that moment that they're not fakes <laughs> and like you're not and you know that when she shoots them, they're going to be dead. And whereas with Chucky, they don't know that they're fakes and they start killing each other. And it's a really like kind of famous sort of brutal gut wrenching horror sequence. Um, so I feel like this in this movie, Heather's it's, it's all just a plot device, right? It's a plot device to, it's not necessarily comedic even in the situation, but it's it's definitely not horror either. It's just something that moves the plot forward. Um, it doesn't really build any kind of horror tension or anything. Well, he basically tells her. He he tells her, he's like, oh yeah, these are Ikluga bullets, which is, in German is like, I lie or I'm lying. Like he's basically telling her like i'm full of shit and we're gonna kill them and she does it anyway because she's like i take french and then his excuse at the end of it all is that she knew and she just believed what she wanted to believe in the moment do you think that's true yes i was gonna say i think that there is some truth to that and i think that that is part of the part of the cold hard truth of like you know shedding some light on okay they're innocent teenagers and yeah veronica is sort of like the final girl in this but even she has some pretty like dark tendencies like and maybe that's built from her experiences in high school and not being understood and all that you know good stuff i think she kind of did know she's a very smart girl come on but i don't know teenage love does dumb shit to you that's the truth yeah i don't know i i did I did think she should have been too smart for that. Like I, she, I think must've known at, on some level or another. The other thing that kind of took some of the horror out of it for me was just the way that it happened. Like the way those deaths happened, like with Heather Chandler, it's like, okay, well drink this Drano and then, and I'm dead. And then like with the uh, shooting deaths, like it's also like, instant death from the one shot and you know definitely that can happen but like it would have been more horror if they didn't die immediately and then like veronica like had to watch them die or something like that um th that would have been more horror i guess even their wounds when they get shot are just very very low-key minimal blood like you are looking at them dead on the ground with a bullet in them and you're not still not sure if maybe they're not actually dead or not you know yeah, yeah you're right there there was very little blood the gunshot wounds were super conservative from like a horror movie standpoint it was realistic i guess 
another thing about it, I wanted to see how everyone felt about this, is, of course, the whole reason that they're going and doing this in the first place, specifically premeditating the death of Kurt and Ram, and the reason that they're coming to, you know, pull a prank, at least initially, on Heather Chandler, is because they're bad people. You know, maybe they had some death, depth and they had you know, some other redeeming qualities, maybe they would have grown out of it. When, maybe they would have figured things out. But at least as far as what you see of them in the movie, they are portrayed as fairly despicable characters. So that being the case, that they're portrayed that well that way, did that make it easier to not classify this as horror because it doesn't feel horrific losing these characters? Absolutely. It felt like justice being served, kind of. And I think you're on to something with that, Steve. That's part of... In a horror movie, I mean, if you're a weirdo like me, you want people to die because you just want that on-screen gore. But with this, yeah, you... There's... I mean, everybody's been bullied in high school, for the most part. Everyone knows what that feels like. How can you not root for the bully to die in the movie? So, yeah, that that takes it away from the horror stance for me as well. Yeah. And then you get into the spots that maybe do feel a little more horrific, like the end scene when you're like, Oh, are they going to blow up the school? Like then you're dealing with some potential innocence and, uh, and that feels more high stakes where previously in the movie it's been, you know, we've talked about it before with children's horror and other types of horror where it's like, well, all the, all the bad things are just happening to the bad people. Yeah, in a in a horror movie, bad things definitely happen to good people who you don't want it to happen to. That's what builds the stakes, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cuz I think about that the murder of Curtin Ram specifically, I think at least for me, there is tension in that scene, but the tension isn't whether or not Kurt and Ram will get away. The tension is whether or not JD and Veronica will get away with it without getting caught. That's the way that the yep. the scene is building tension. Yeah, you're definitely rooting for the killers the whole way through that scene. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So then talking at least about the conclusion of the film, I know at least a couple people have said that... Uh, Veronica trying to stop JD from blowing up the school, that that had at least maybe some degree of a horror film, but not particularly intensely. I guess I wanted to see, kind of elaborate on that, because as we've talked about, there's a school full of innocent people, some of the innocent people that we've already seen and we've already dealt with, so we've got these real stakes of the school blowing up, and some of us even thought that that might actually happen. So would that have changed it for you? Say this, Say they do win, say they do blow up the school, does that make this a horror film? No, there's still not not enough components of the proverbial Venn diagram for this to be horror, even if the ending changed like that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I I don't I still don't think it would be horror. It would be even more horrific. Um, but uh, but I wouldn't feel like it was a horror movie. If it was going to be horror, we wouldn't know who the killers were and there would just be high school students getting picked off and ha and having it clearly made to be look like suicide and there'd be this one plucky final girl who would be slowly figuring it out. It would basically be Scream. 
Okay, but what if we compare this to Carrie? How many people have seen at least one version of Carrie or another? Yes, and I don't feel like Carrie counts as horror either? Question mark? Okay. That's a whole right. other episode. That's a whole other episode. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You're on to something there. Well, because that's at least one of the things I think of the way that Carrie's presented. Thinking about Carrie, if you don't get the pig's blood dropped on her in the prank at the prom at the end of the film, like if it just ends with her with the prom king up there getting the award, fade to black credits roll, I don't think that movie ends up feeling like a horror movie. I mean, there's some dark things in there. Her mom is deeply and abusively religious and she had to grow a lot and she's dealt with a lot of torment, but we know exactly who Carrie is. She's even the hero of the film in a lot of ways. And then she does get the prank pulled on her and then she goes and massacres a bunch of people there. Lots of whom who had nothing to do with it. No one, people who had never ran afoul of her at all. But I think at least most people, maybe this is unfair to say, I think there's a lot of people that regard it as a horror film. So... How does this one differ from that, I guess, is still kind of the thing I'm wrapping my own head around because I do feel like it feels different, but I don't know. I don't think I can answer that question until we all whether or not Carrie is a horror movie. And as of right now, in this moment, I don't feel like Carrie's a horror movie. You summed it up very well, Steve. Without that pig's blood, blah, 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 it's not horror. It wouldn't even be considered horror except for that Stephen King's name is on it. I have a hard time answering the question, too, because I have not seen Carrie. Um, but I'd always assumed that it was horror. For me, Carrie's definitely horror. Sorry. <laughs> well, how do you feel like it differs then, Matt? How does that differ from this? Well, I just think that, like, for Carrie, there's, you know... Now you don't necessarily need to have a supernatural element to make horror, but there, but she's you know telepathically murders a bunch of people or hurts a bunch of people, and and there is the whole pig's blood thing is big in that movie, and in this movie, it it doesn't really. I I go back to this whole idea of horror tension, like horror feel, and. That whole sequence does it for me and Carrie, where I feel like this movie never has that horror tension feel and it doesn't have like even if everybody died in the and and in the bombing and that did happen in the movie, I feel like they wouldn't have made it like a horror tense scene. They probably would have cracked some joke about it or had some reporter reporting about it in a silly way afterwards like in a dark comedic way you know what i mean so that's kind of why i feel there's a, there's a difference so going to another i'm trying hard to play the devil's advocate on this one going to another sequence looking at the nightmare that veronica has about the faked suicide of heather duke did that feel like something more out of a horror movie to everybody first off Yes. However, Heather Chandler's after death outfit was amazing and it was worth my time. <laughs> <laughs> I did also feel like that was more horror. 
Um, I think maybe the part of it is like Veronica was having a horror movie nightmare is what it felt like. So that sequence did feel like horror, but because it was a nightmare, it's sort of set apart for me. I also like that they had everybody wearing those 3D glasses because it started to feel like these, you know, horrible tragedies that were happening at this high school started to turn into a form of entertainment for the student body. So that was kind of creepy and weird and cool for me. Would you all say that you realized that it was a dream sequence when they're actually doing the plotting of the murder itself? What point did you realize it was just a dream? I mean, I didn't realize it was just a dream until we were sitting there with the day glow flowers and the glasses on. And then I was like, hmm. I guess, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when I realized it was a dream, um, but the style in which they were filming, like the kitchen scene, um, was off of the the style of the rest of the movie. So I guess... I at least had an inkling of it uh, during that part. And definitely when we got to the the church with the 3D glasses and all that, then I was like, okay, yes, definitely that was all dream sequence. Um, So, yeah, I guess that was how it felt for me. I think in a way looking at that sequence, because I think that it's one of the stronger contenders within the film for the idea that at least for there being some horror in this or for it being to be classified as horror by some people, But I think as I'm thinking about it and as we're talking about it, it's almost it's almost the proof that this isn't a horror movie because you have kind of that tone shift, right, of the idea of like, all right, if this was a horror movie, then we would film these sequences this way, but we're intentionally not doing it. Uh, The death of or the, you know, planned death of uh, Heather Duke is happening at night and it's stormy out and they're intense, the angles that they're going with. And then we switch to the actual death of Heather Chandler and it's sunny and it's bright and it's during the day and there's not really any ominous tone or music or lighting used for any of it. Um, so it's kind of to say like, if this was a horror movie, then we'd film all of it like the death of Heather Duke, but because it's not, and we realize it's not, then you can see the contrast of that scene versus everything else that takes place in the movie. So it's like that scene being in the movie is almost the best proof that it's not horror. Yeah, I agree with that. And I I think I kind of said like, it, it felt like she was dreaming a horror movie, like, uh, it was like, like you said, Steve, just the lighting, the angles, the tone, like it, that all did feel horrific, or, well, not horrific, a horror genre type style of movie. But it was, her dream was that, but you, you're right. I, I see your point as far as like that kind of, um, you know, gives us a hint as to what the rest of the movie w- was, that it was not horror. What was everybody's favorite quotable quote from this movie? Because there's a bunch to choose from. Fuck me gently with a chainsaw. I can't even think of one. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, That was, that's a really good one. I'm trying to think of, there was a few others I liked, but I'm going to have to think about that for a second. I mean, that's my favorite. I should have wrote them down while I was watching. Oh, I also like the one that Matt referenced where he's like, our love is God. Let's get a slushy. (laughs) 
<laughs> What's your damage is a good one. I think I've used that without even realizing what it was from before. Oh, that's a very 80s thing. What's your damage? Oh, also, fun fact. Um, so the actress who played um, Heather Chandler, Kim Walker, at one point in the movie, she says, did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? Uh, and unfortunately, in a tragic turn of events, she actually passed away in 2001 of a brain tumor at 32. That is sad. Yeah, it's really sad. And then also the actor, uh, Jeremy Applegate, the one who's praying by Heather's casket and says, you know, please, I, I don't think I could ever commit suicide and please let me get into Princeton. Amen. And all that stuff. Um, he actually did, unfortunately, commit suicide in the year 2000 at age 34. Wow. Heather's just killing everybody. Is it like the curse of Heather's? Like, what is going on here, people? Th those were all tidbits that I got from my Amazon Prime viewing. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Slater better stay away from explosives. Right? Don't play with guns. Don't kill people. Don't date a guy who has a motorcycle in high school. They are just universally bad news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's one quote uh, was like, uh, Veronica was like, lick it up, baby, or something like that. Lick it up. Yep. Yeah. Even though we all sided with the idea that it's not a horror movie, does Veronica Sawyer have final girl energy? Hell yes, she does. Cigarette and all. I mean, she runs in and gets all fisticuffs with the quote-unquote killer and survives the incident and saves the day, so yeah. Yep, I agree. Yeah, that knee to the face, that was brutal. She definitely does, I but I think she kind of she was i mean we already we kind of uh drew some similarity to, some similarities to scream already which is interesting but it was kind of that same thing where she subverts the rules a little bit like she's not the she's not the nice quiet girl she's not the virgin or whatever and um but she still does have that energy i will never not watch this movie and not quote it it is one of my favorites even though the subject matter is super duper dark like this was so well cast it was so well written it is so fucking funny the fashion is to die for no pun intended i love everything about this film <laughs> yeah i was just gonna mention that i think it's cool how obvious like it to me it's pretty obvious that the movie Mean Girls, which I also really like, drew a lot of inspiration from this movie. So I kind of feel like Mean Girls is a little bit of the movie that you would make if you were trying to make this in today. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and I, at least for me, I draw some parallels between this movie and Jennifer's body as well as kind of like another spiritual successor. Yeah, I got way more Jennifer's body from this than Mean Girls. But Jennifer's body is definitely horror. Shock surprise. Absolutely. I still kind of, it's crazy to me that the Daniel Waters who wrote this, his brother directed Mean Girls. That still blows me away. I also have a fun question for the group. So in this movie, you know, a girl, Heather is like the common girl's name that, you know, there's all these Heathers and everybody's been hurt or damaged by a Heather. What was the name that was like the common girl's name when you were in high school? And I was going to say, for me, it was Katie. There were like a million Katie's. 
Oh my god, there were 95 Jennifers and Amandas. Same. Lots of Jennifers. I think Meg or Megan for me. Megan, probably. Did you say, shut up, Meg? <laughs> I did. I had a friend named Meg. <laughs> uh, probably all those for me, too, sound pretty... Those were pretty familiar. There were also, you know... I I think when you said Katie, Katie I think was one, and maybe Lindsay was pretty common. And Ashley, Ashley, what? Yeah, Ashley. Do you remember the show Recess? How they had the Ashleys instead of the Heather's? Classic show, yeah. classic cartoon. Another thing that was kind of interesting about that too is, I guess, according to Daniel Waters, this movie was never called anything other than Heather's. Like he almost had the title and the names for the characters before he even had a script. So that's kind of interesting. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of Is It Horror? In two weeks, we are going to be going back to the world of video games where we're going to be talking about Half-Life 2. That's a personal favorite of Joe's, so I'm, that's going to be a fun one to talk about. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk about that. I will be curious to hear how all of your guys' feelings about the game in general, and whether or not it's horror or not. I'm excited to talk about Half-Life 3 then afterwards. That'll be fun. Sad. And how very real and released it is. Yeah. How very. <laughs> we could talk about that more on the episode. <laughs> I have some feelings. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. Definitely come back with us for that one. I have been Steve. And I've been Brianna. I'm Joe. I'm going to get a slushy. And I'm Heather. <laughs> Bye. 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 Thanks for joining us at Is It Horror? We post new episodes every other Friday. Think we didn't give this movie a fair shake? Think we missed something? Do you have a suggestion for future episodes? Or did you just want to say hi? If so, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Is It Horror Pod. Or you can email us at isithorrorpodcast at gmail.com. In the meantime, stay safe and keep asking yourself, Is it horror?